Hello and welcome to episode 51 of When Life Gives You Lemons, Go Vegan. I'm your host, Corinne Nidja, and in this podcast, I share people's incredible stories of recovery from chronic diseases such as heart disease, multiple sclerosis, rheumatoid arthritis, ulcerative colitis, Crohn's disease, chronic fatigue syndrome. There's been so many on here and today is no exception. Today's story is with Dan and Sean Muskaluk from Indian Rock in British Columbia and they are sharing their incredible story of recovery after Dan was given a terminal cancer diagnosis and only months to live. They have between them overcome so much, including losing 130 pounds, which is no small feat in itself. They are featured in the documentary Eating You Alive, which you can find at eatingyoualive.com. In social media, you can find them at Indian Rock Vegans, Facebook, Instagram, and they are now you know, helping so many people to learn more about the benefits of a low-fat, whole-food, plant-based diet in healing and overcoming chronic disease. They are doing a wonderful job. I feel so grateful to share their story with you today because so many of us have been touched by cancer in some way or another. And to hear how Dan has gone from being diagnosed and given such a devastating death sentence to just being so driven and focused on healing his body as as much as possible and to get where he is today, four years and 10 months at the time of this recording, cancer-free is just incredible. So I hope you enjoy the show. Thank you so much, Dan and Sean, for sharing your story. I feel absolutely honoured to have you both here. Hello, Dan and Sean, and welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks for, for having, having us. us. Hello, Australia. Yeah. So I wanted to, I've already given a little bit of your background, but I really just want you to get straight in and tell us your story, if you wouldn't mind. Sure. I guess you can start off. Right. This, huh? Yeah. Well, our story really starts in uh, 2010. And, um, you know, interestingly enough, my son joined a gym and came home and said, oh, you know, I want to do bodybuilding and weightlifting. And I, they told me if I'm ever going to put on muscle, I need to have all these protein powders. So I thought, sure, great. So off I went to the health food store to buy that like a good mom. And when I was there with one of those giant tubs of whey protein, the clerk came up to me and quietly said, you know, who are you buying this for? And I said, my son, how old? 15. She said, oh, you know, you need to go home and look at this stuff. Do a little research before you buy this. And I just thought, oh, okay, that's kind of odd. And I Normally went, somebody tries to yeah, sell you, you know, something. Yeah. <laughs> sell you something and she's dissuading me. So I went home and uh, Googled whey protein powder and by some sheer piece of luck, I came across Dr. John McDougall and the perils of dairy. Wow. And, you know, <laughs> that video had just blew my mind because, you know, I was in my mid forties at this point in time and we had been living on meat and dairy our whole lives being told it was good for us and that we needed, you know, dairy for strong bones and all of the things that we hear all the time. So this video just blew my mind so much so that I had to watch it three times in a row. <laughs> yeah, well. and, 
Yeah. And so then he mentioned some other things. And for some reason, it just fascinated me. And I just started to read and read and read all the research I could get. Everybody that, you know, he talked about uh, Colin Campbell and Esselstyn. So I, you know, did the, just started reading. And the more I read, the more I just couldn't believe that all of this information was out there and that we weren't hearing about it. And we were hearing the complete opposite. So I started to uh, slowly transition our diet in 2010. Finally, I read the China study in the spring of 2011, and that was it for me. That was it. It was the quintessential moment. So April 1st, 2011, April Fool's Day, cleaned out the entire kitchen of any animal products, any processed foods, the pantries, the freezers, everything, and started cooking plant-based at home. And this was purely for the health because of, of all of the horrible health ramifications that I was learning about. So at that time, I weighed 300 pounds and I had been struggling with my weight. I think pretty classic story. First baby gained weight, second baby gained weight. Um, you know, I had tried pretty much everything, Weight Watchers, Nutrisystem, you know, anything out there, I had tried Atkins it. Diet. Uh, even Atkins. Shame, shame on me, but, you know. I, I <laughs> We've all been there. We've all been yeah. there. <laughs> and, you know, didn't know any better. And um, so, you know, we did this just for the health. And the first month for me, after pretty much giving up on my weight, thinking that this is the way I would be for the rest of my life, uh, I lost 15 pounds that first month without even trying no exercise. Cause at 300 pounds, I certainly wasn't doing any exercise. And I thought, Oh, wow. I, you know, it was just like magic. I thought, how could this be? I was eating tons of food, um, no calorie restrictions, no, you know, just eating the food that they were telling me to eat. And so I thought, wow, well maybe, maybe I could lose 30 pounds. And so then I, lost 30 pounds, maybe 50, maybe 70, maybe 90, 100, 120. So I went on over the next two years to lose 133 pounds. Holy moly. That is amazing. Congratulations. Yeah. Well, thank you very much. And, you know, I've managed to keep it off. You know, sometimes over the summer, you have lots of company gain back maybe 10 pounds, but then I can get rid of it because I know how. And uh, so that was really life-changing for me. I, um, you know, I think when you struggle with your weight your whole life, um, you know, it changed how I participated in family life. I sat and watched. I was a spectator. I watched my family grow up from the sidelines. You know, Dan was the one that took them camping, played games with them, played tag, you know, all of those kind of things. And, and I would watch. And so for the first time since my early 20s, I was able to, you know, not only buy clothes wherever I wanted to, you know, because when you're 300 pounds, you're really restricted to what you can buy in the clothing stores. And it's not maybe something that you like. It's just what fits. And so suddenly I had a new wardrobe and I was able to participate in any kind of sports, you know, I mean, not you know, heavy duty sports. And I had started after I'd started to lose maybe 60 pounds, started to walk. And that's all I've ever done. I've never gone to the gym. I've never done boot camps or anything like that. Just really good 
strong walks. We live in a very hilly area. So I do a a 5k walk every morning, 2.5 uphill, 2.5 down. And that's all I've ever done. And so it it really changed our life uh, as a couple. I was back into my wedding dress, which I never thought, yeah, I never thought that would happen. Um, And, you know, I was so happy and you know, the family wasn't too keen initially on the way we were eating and they would go off and cheat and eat whatever they wanted when they were out of the house. But once they started seeing the results in me and they started feeling better themselves, they slowly came on board. So yeah, where we've always, and then Sean's a fabulous cook. We've always eaten from scratch, never, you know, purchased processed food. So yeah. initially there was there was a bit of a change in, in her cooking. And of course, it's experimental at first, but it didn't take very, very long that, again, we were, were foodies. So we ended up, as usual, always eating very delicious food that just happened to be more nutritious and very wholesome and wasn't, you know, wasn't damaging our health. And for myself in those two years, yeah, I was about 95% whole food plant based in the home. And, um, the, uh, but again, outside the home, uh, I'm, I'm a police officer. I were, was a shift worker and, you know, uh, working 12 hour shifts and, and night shifts, day shifts. And, um, yeah, you know, so there was some animal products being consumed outside the home, but even in those two years of, of just, uh, eating that way in the home, uh, initially when we started, you know, as many typical middle-aged men, you go to the doctor, you hear the typical red flags of metabolic syndrome high blood pressure, high cholesterol, uh, and uh, pre-diabetes or pre-diabetes setting in. Uh, and those boxes were all ticked off for me. Uh, and in those two years, I dropped the weight, my blood panels improved, and I felt the healthiest that I'd ever been since, again, since I was in my 20s or, or just as, if not more. Yeah, so so this was 2013 by now, and uh, our kids were about to leave home. We were going to be empty nesters and we were, you know, I thought we were bulletproof. I was down to my, you know, wedding weight kind of thing and life was just great. And I thought this is what the whole food plant-based lifestyle has to offer us. And I was thrilled with that. We were just going forward thinking we had the world by the tail. And, um, Turns out that this was just kind of the beginning. Yeah. So what 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 transpired that fall uh, is actually uh, the first week of November of 2013. Um, after a week of, of feeling severe abdominal pain and and uh, putting it off that week, uh, that Saturday, November 9th, 2013, after a day of cutting firewood all day, I, I came into the house and told Sean that there was no way that I could, uh, I couldn't put it off any longer. I, I was thinking maybe a kidney stone as we had that ran in my family with, uh, you know, digestional and, and, and um, different uh, issues, Crohn's and colitis within my family and kidney stones as well. And I thought it's got to be a kidney stone. So off to the hospital, we went that Saturday night and um, within, you know, our wait at the emergency room, they, they took the scan that night and that very night, uh, we found out what it was and the doctor ushered us into a waiting room with my scan results in hand and within stepping into the room in two sentences of, of okay, we've got the results, he just blurted it out. He said, Dan, it's not a kidney stone or kidney infection. Is Your right kidney is one massive tumor. It's cancer and it's metastasized. And uh, it, uh, it just, it, you know, it's almost so cliche to say, but it's again, time stood still. You hear this sentence 
resonate in your head and um, you take it all in. And it was the last thing yeah. on our minds that we thought we were going to, the news that we were going to get that night. Yeah, it was completely surreal. It was totally unexpected. We thought we were, you know, we were so healthy. He was so healthy. Yeah. And uh, it, it was just, you know, the rug. Pulled, pulled right, right out. out from under you. Yeah, because again, I was very asymptomatic other than that week of abdominal pain. And interestingly enough, the pain was in the opposite side. Um, so it was very, very strange. So that week again, so we we end up telling family and friends as to what the situation is. I went into work and told my co-workers that I was uh, leaving for an extended medical leave and uh, was hoping against all hope to come back to work someday. But um, we were told at the time and explained to us, and we, you know, we did our read up on on stage four, kidney cancer was what I was diagnosed with, and uh, renal cell carcinoma, clear cell carcinoma, which is in a very very aggressive form, um, that it was terminal and that there was no effective treatment for it. Um, so we that that a uh, couple of days later, we ended up at the specialist who explained in detail as to what the diagnosis was and. What had occurred was we were looking at a tumor that had probably had grown for about 15 to 20 years and that uh, it was um, the right kidney was one massive tumor and it had metastasized out of the kidney and was now growing uh, up my vein, the cava, which is the main tronchial vein, which attaches all your main organs uh, and that it was growing towards my heart and lungs um, and that the, the tumor, the tumor was also within uh, several lymph nodes around the kidney and uh, in distant uh, lymph nodes. Um, but uh, again, I didn't look like a stage four kidney cancer diagnosee. Um, they told us that, oh, all right, that's, that, that this was very aggressive, um, gave me, you know, a few months to two years at best and that it would in all likelihood be a very miserable two years and that this would kill me. Um, wow. They, oh, uh, my God. My heart's breaking for you guys. I just can't <laughs> imagine what that would have been like at the time. Yeah, it was, yeah. you know, like one of your questions was, you know, what what was my darkest moment? Uh, or when, you know, I, I think the, the initial diagnosis, um, the night of, of course. Uh, so the period of time, that first segment of time was certainly very, very dark. And, of course, I had it in my mind that, this was, you know, I was going to die. There's a, when we look at the survival rates of uh, stage four kidney cancer, it's uh, 7% survival rates to five years for men, yeah, sorry, for women and 5% survival rates uh, for men. So flip that around that I had, I had a 95% chance odds of, of, of passing before that five years. Oh, um, that's, oh my gosh. Oh, that's one of the times when Google is really doing you a dis. <laughs> Yeah, a disservice. Yeah, it 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 was interesting though that you know the more we start reading about it, the more informed we got about it. And of course, prior to you know having somebody affected by cancer immediately around you or you yourself, you know, okay, cancer is a big scary thing. But um, you know, we start to educate ourselves on it, and of course, we we just kind of have to look at uh, at where we were at. And you know, we. I'd been reading for for two years about whole food plant based lifestyle, and you know had had read everything that uh, Colin Campbell had written and Barnard and Ornish and all of the big um, rock stars in our world, kind of thing. Mm. Yes, and, they're mine too. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. I think you know they're definitely um, you know so. 
so, you know, that first couple of weeks, you're, you're so in shock and you're thinking, you know, how could this happen? And then you kind of regain your equilibrium. And I thought, okay, well, we've come this far. I've read all of this data that, that is telling me what is causing cancer and how to feed your body to overcome chronic illness. So let's just keep going. And so I really changed my focus to reading about everything I could find linking cancer and nutrition. And, you know, I say this all the time is that what shocked me is that when you really start looking at this, there's a hundred years of data linking cancer growth or yeah, cancer cell growth and animal protein. And so you're thinking, okay, let's do this. So we, we started what I call was our, our program of nutritional excellence mm -hmm. because we knew he was going in to have his, his kidney removed. And so that date was set and we thought, well, let's just flood his body with nutrition, getting him ready for the surgery and trying to fight this tooth and nail. Yeah. And so, so we did that. We got ready for surgery and we just, you know, pumped the greens, pump, pump the vegetables, like just tons of water, um, all the turmeric and ginger and garlic and all of these great things that I'd been reading about, but we really cleaned up like no oil. We just, we got so strict. And so then that brought around the date of the surgery. Yeah. So then, yeah, they, they, they were, they moved quite quickly because again, on the one hand, uh, they said I was an excellent candidate. So the first step for sur or the first step for the treatment was of course, surgery. They had to look at a, an extreme nephrectomy, which is the complete removal of the kidney because the kidney was capped out. It was simply just one massive tumor. Um, and you know, the tumor continues to grow. And so it would have the, the process was, is the surgery was uh, removing the kidney and, and hopefully pulling the tumor out of the vena cava with the possibility of actually having to dissect the vena cava if they weren't able to pull the tumor out of it and then again remove several lymph nodes. So um, we uh, were about five hours away from uh, the west coast uh, from Vancouver uh, in the interior here of the province. So we drove the five hours Christmas, day, Christmas Eve day and uh, my surgery was, was Christmas Eve of 213. So off to the hospital, we went the four of us with our, our, our two, uh, you know, um, young adult children, teenage children, and, and, um, went into Vancouver general. And again, a dark moment, I, you know, I really truly thought that, you know, that could very well be my last Christmas with my family and I was going to spend it on the operating table. And they uh, were pretty brutal yeah. talking about the surgery, you know, because it was going up the vena cava and they were going to have to clamp off all of his major organs. Uh, you know, they, they were very clear in saying that, you know, he may bleed out this, he may not come through the surgery even. So that was, you know, really terrifying unto itself is mm. just the surgery, just getting through the surgery, yeah. um, was extremely Tense. Yeah, and and it was a massive surgery. We had uh, the two urologist specialists uh, and then a cardiologist on hand just in case something you know went wrong. But uh, um, the surgery was successful, um, and uh, they managed actually to remove the the tumor without dissecting. They were able to pull it out of the vena cava, which was a a plus in that in that sense there, where it you know lessened the 
the severity of the surgery. But they, they, yeah, they, they opened me up from from one side of the abdomen to the other. And it's funny, as a police officer, I'm a corporal rank, and so that means I've got two chevrons on my shoulder. You, we see those, you know, your 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 corporal's rank. You've got the 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 shoulder flashes, and so I always joke that I I wanted to get my what we call refer to our thirds chevron and. That's the extra hash mark on your shoulder flash, but I ended up with it on my abdomen. So kind of, I did get my thirds, but <laughs> so I have a Chevron uh, scar across my abdomen that was stapled shut with, with, with 50 some odd staples. And um, I think the very utmost darkest was that first two weeks or three weeks at home uh, following surgery on just a several different medications, one for sleep, one for relaxing, one for infection, uh, one for constipation, one for this, one for that, nauseousness, nauseousness and and uh, it really, uh, I wasn't able to sleep, I wasn't able to eat, uh, and it made for a very very miserable time. And uh, I probably that first month or so, I dropped about thirty five pounds, and um, not being able to sleep uh, for for you know literally a couple of weeks, I I, I really truly thought that was it. I wasn't going to survive this. Um, so to re- it was interesting. I was bedridden, couldn't get out of bed. And um, so Sean, uh, again, eating was like a, a piece of fruit, a, a bite of an orange, a bite of toast, a piece of toast, a, a sip of water. And uh, so Sean thought, well, if to get some nutrients into me was uh, fresh roasted, lightly salted oven roasted nuts, again, no oil. And I just grazed on those day and night. And sure enough, um, that one cashew an hour, yeah, we kind of chew on that. And, but that subsided or that, that subsisted me. And, and what was interesting as well too, after wrenching my gut, um, with the nausea, there was one night, uh, you know, you got to figure if you picture, you've got 50 some odd staples across your abdomen and you're, you're trying to vomit from an empty stomach. It was that was it for the medications, and then from that point forward, it was just regular Tylenol, and I was able to sleep, and the recovery started, and uh, I gained my strength. I was up out of bed. I then I you know I was able to get downstairs, and then I was able to get you know a bit of a walk from the house to the end of the driveway, which was huge. That was oh, massive, massive, just, massive. Just to get downstairs again was huge. So, and then that brings me to the one of your other questions: is that at what point? did things turn around for you? And I think because it was such a drastic, um, such a drastic recovery, you know, there was almost like a 180 as to how I was feeling physically and starting to feel that recovery. And then the sleep was, was easier and, and the strength. So it was just truly amazing. So the recovery went really, really well. And that, um, allowed him because there really is no, um, effective treatment. Chemo and radiation do not, uh, work on this particular cancer so so yeah so then they uh, again they were my physicians were amazed at my recovery from the surgery um they they uh they they were busy looking at what some of my options were that actually the only option was to look at uh the only treatment would have been a trial study uh with a immune therapy drugs and that would have that was the only thing so we were able to again wait and watch for to permit me to recover from the surgery and that occurred from the span of of december to march and again they were truly amazed at my recovery and how i rebounded from this massive surgery uh and because a lot of cancer patients who are not you know generally healthy enough to watch and wait 
or then sometimes they're not even healthy enough for the surgery itself. So they were able to get me into this immune therapy drug treatment. Uh, and again, it was uh, the, uh, the trial study with two immune therapy drugs in combination uh, that uh, I would have uh, four treatments every three weeks of the combination. And that was back down to Vancouver. So every three weeks, we'd do that long drive and hang out the cancer clinic for the few days of, you know, recovering from some of the side effects and in the chemo chair, in the chemo ward for uh, several hours with, uh, with uh, that, that treatment. And then that treatment was to be followed up with a maintenance treatment every two weeks of the one drug for the rest of my life. Um, and they put it that it was, you know, not only that, but, or for the rest of your life or how, forever, how long your body could endure it. So that was kind of a hint again, that, they didn't feel that I would survive it and that there would be severe side effects from the drug itself and the cancer would progress. Um, they put it to us that we would be naive to think that the cancer would not eventually spread and grow. And they also said that this immune therapy drug would be like, um, you know, letting the tiger out of the cage and that you wouldn't know where that tiger might attack. And it does come, you know, one of the, the known side effects is that it can attack a perfectly healthy organ. Mm -hmm. And so after the third treatment. Yeah, so after the third treatment there, we, we'd gotten back home. And uh, sure enough, one, one night I, I awoke with a fever. And as well, cancer diagnoses uh, know that uh, fever is a, a, a real big red flag. And it's one of the ones where... If you detect any amount of fever, that's you check in with your your, your team. And uh, so that night we, we we drove into the hospital again and, and they, they checked uh, my blood. And um, the blood test came back that, um, in fact, I had had a severe side effect uh, hit me where the, uh, the drugs had attacked my healthy liver. Uh, and it, in fact, it turned out my, my liver was producing 25 times the normal enzyme uh, that it's supposed to produce in order to try and protect itself and rebound from what the drugs were doing. So my liver was in, in distress uh, and it was determined that that in itself was a near fatal side effect that, that just about killed me that night. Um, so they, it was the, the, the um, protocol to, to suppress that was to go on to prednisone steroid, um, an intravenous load of that for several weeks. But um, in the meantime, you were immediately dismissed from yeah, the trial study yeah. because, you know, yeah, it, they just don't want to kill people, and so they usually dismiss from the trial. What was it at? Uh, yeah, at five times the norm. If you they dismiss you if you have anything like a liver attack where it's five times the normal levels. Well, I was up to twenty five times, so it was yeah. there was like no third treatment. This is it. Thank you very much, Mr. Moskalak, but we're we're dismissing yeah. you. So when we look at it in the large picture, I haven't had medical intervention uh, since uh, May of two thousand fourteen. Now, interestingly enough, as I was progressing through my recovery and got into the immunotherapy treatment, um, uh, I, I was starting to see there was, you know, I think I was doing CT scans every six weeks. Um, and uh, scan after scan, um, first and foremost, was, was that we were looking at we were having shrinkage in three lymph nodes that, that, that remained affected. Uh, and again, these lymph nodes were in serious spots where the one was by my windpipe, one was lower back in the midsection. So as you know, if these lymph nodes got worse and worse and worse, of course, it would be detrimental to, to my survival. But as we went through, I was starting to see, you know, the scans improve every time we went in there, 
two of the three lymph nodes were shrinking and shrinking and shrinking. And, and I looked very, very healthy. And that was the interesting thing as well, too, when I look back or backtrack a bit here. When we went into the cancer clinic, um, we were there for breast cancer day for the treatment. It was all women in the rooms with me, and I was the only man there. And Sean and I, if you look at our thumbnail, we looked, we, you know, we looked then like we look now. So neither of us fit the bill for somebody who should be walking into a cancer clinic, let alone stage four cancer. Yeah, people would look at us and they'd kind of be confused as to why these, uh, you know, people, yeah, vibrant, glowing, glowing. healthy, pink, uh, tanned. And tanned and, you know, fit looking and we're sauntering into the cancer clinic and people well, are maybe not sauntering. Well, but <laughs> Well, I mean, sure. But, you know. Um, but people would look at us like, why are you here? Mm -hmm. And so that was really interesting. And, and, you know, the, the, for me, the, I was so adamant with, uh, our trial study team that I wanted it noted that we were whole food plant-based. I wanted it noted in the file because, you know, it was a trial study. So this is, we were an experimental guinea pigs and they had no interest. They didn't really care. They didn't really want to note it. They didn't write it down. And the only the only question or any time about we talk about nutrition or the only question they ever asked was how's your appetite and never what are you eating what are you or eating what you should eat or what you shouldn't eat and you know it was it was so frustrating for us because you know you're also you're in the waiting room and you're looking around and there's people eating you know oh, big God. gulp cokes and they're having donalds and you're thinking oh why isn't somebody telling them that they're eating the very foods that are that got them here in the first place can can i interrupt for one moment because you're saying something that is so on my mind <laughs> Uh, my dad has prostate cancer at the moment and he's having radiation uh, currently for prostate cancer and he's not whole food. He tries to eat healthier than what he did, but he's not. And he's doctors all the time because he goes to them and he says, my daughter says this and they say, you know, you this radiation's damaging your bones so you need you need calcium from cheese, meat, you need this. And so he goes off and he's buying all this cheese and I'm like, far out, no. And then, but his doctors are telling him, so he's just so in that, he trusts them so much. And his doctors are saying, oh, you know, you aren't getting enough B12. You need to eat more red meat. You aren't getting this. You need to eat more animal, always animals. And it's so, for, for me watching him, you know, he's, you know, he's, He's got hot flushes now. He's having all these, you know, he's tired, he's weak, he's got all this stuff, and he's just totally listening to every single thing that they say. And I just feel I'm so impressed with you for having the – and it is about doing that research yourself and getting that inner confidence yourself, yeah. I think. Yeah, I really I, believe that. I yeah. think, you know, like, and oftentimes now we have, we, you know, a lot of people reach out to us now and, and it's like, I can tell you what to eat, but you need to understand why you need to eat this, not eat that. And I think that's why, um, you know, I really have to give our successes in both weight loss and cancer um, is that we did the research. We did the research so we really started to understand and particularly in cancer you know cancer is such a scary word and I think when you really start to learn about the mechanisms and how cancer works and what is actually happening 
it it kind of takes the fear away like like anything that if that something's scary the more you know about it it kind of demystifies it yeah. and I, so you know it it was i feel like now um we were kind of you know i think they had to they probably rolled their eyes when we came in at, at, at the trial study but you know an interesting thing has happened now is that one of our the lead trial study nurse? We kept bombarding her with information. Actually, well, no, well, it started. It first started was uh, with with the nurse yeah. um, that uh, every six months or so I get a. a well, before that, well, even though right, we were true. going yes. every we were yeah. going every three weeks, and we I'd always be talking, talk, talk, talk about <laughs> this study, that study. Did mm. you know? Did you know? And they were probably like, oh, this woman again. Yeah. But, you know, and it's true, like, you know, even though he was dismissed from the trial, you constantly get this paperwork with the a new side effect or some other thing that they found and you have to sign, sign off. off consent and knowledge of the, 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 the right the, the, yeah. that there's this thing. So we, we always get these packages of paperwork from from the cancer clinic. And so one time Dan signed it. He threw in our, we have a little card called Indian so, Rock Vegans, and it has kind of a cheat sheet on the back of all the books you should read, all the websites you should go to, all the documentaries you should watch, what you should eat, what you shouldn't eat. And so he popped that in the envelope. Didn't say anything about it. Popped it in the envelope. She emailed us months later. Months it must later, have been like nine very, months later. Yeah, very, very lengthy email. And that uh, she recounted the opening up that envelope. And interestingly enough, she had started seeing and reading and watching um, things with respect to animal ethics. Uh, and animal rights and so on. And then just by sheer timing, there was our card, which then kind of piqued her curiosity with respect to the health aspect. And she dove in from that point forward. And she is now whole food plant-based. She's advocating this to the clients who come into the cancer clinic. She's started a lunch group for other staff. Uh, staff. And she just sent us an article. She called us last week saying, oh, my God, I just we just had this article presented to us showing that people who have the best gut biome have the best response to the immune therapy. Well, of course, we know that people who are on a whole food plant based diet have the best gut biome. So, you know, like she's it, it was just it's been amazing. I think that was uh such a joy for us to that was hear yeah. because you know that's we've we've had an impact on the cancer clinic in vancouver yeah oh, that is so wonderful congratulations well thanks yeah. i think it's that's one of so our proudest good. moments i think <laughs> a bit of a bit of humor to it too when uh, we were discussing with her with respect to this study and this latest study that she she brought to us we were reading through it and everything and they were talking about of course fecal implants and again we've heard that the most valuable and the the you know the the most healthiest fecal implants you can get are from vegans but it's so it's so ironic that people will go to the extent of going for a fecal implant treatment to help their health yet instead of just simply eating the food that'll you know improve your gut biome much more enjoyable much more uh, yeah yeah food. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. It's so funny. I, I, I don't want to go vegan, but I'll happily, <laughs> I'll happily put implant. someone else's poo inside me. Stuff, yeah, yeah. Very no, no. So, um, but yeah, so it was just quite an amazing. And then, you know, you talk about the turnarounds. 
Well, you know, lo and behold, as I, I got through, uh, you know, within a few months of even past May, once we fast forward to September of 2014, that's when they started using the word remission. And they felt strongly enough. And we had of the three lymph nodes, I was down to only one lymph node that remained uh, detectable. And the other ones were back down to normal size. So that in itself, when you go back in again, and two out of three have shrunk back to normal. Um, and uh, they were quite amazed that we had two oncologists that were working with me while my file, they kind of tag teamed me. And I was kind of an anomaly for them as one week I'd go in and it would be one individual and the next appointment was the other oncologist. And they kind of shrugged their shoulders and they were amazed because my blood counts and everything. And, and again, when we look at all the other factors that they, you know, all the other markers that they look at. So I, had, uh, you know, I was back down to a healthy weight and all in all, I dropped about, you know, back from up to a healthy ba weight. back up to a healthy weight, but still that was 35 pounds lighter than I was the previous years, no longer metabolic syndrome, no longer pre-pre-diabetic, normal blood pressure, fabulous non blood pressure, like 110 over 70, like, yeah, beautiful, beautiful. And, and always sustaining the weight and uh, no, no sudden weight loss, no sudden weight gain. Um, and I was no longer pre-pre-diabetic. Fabulous color. Like just always glowing. glowing. That, that glow away eh? that know, everybody that, talks yeah. about. And so, you know, when you hear the words, you know, when they, when they sit you down and they say, and, you know, I have to backtrack about one of my darkest moments through this whole journey was about, um, you know, I, I'd done the reading, we were, we were doing the nutrition, he'd come through the surgery, survived the surgery, he was having, uh, you know, they couldn't believe how this huge scar was healing so quickly, yeah. all of these things. And they, of course, they take a, a biopsy of the tumor and they, and they grow the cells in a Petri dish to see what they're actually dealing with. And of course, that pathology takes about um, three to four weeks. And so after the surgery, I, I got the call. Dan was probably still in bed. And they said, you know, we're really sorry to tell you that these, the, the cancer is, is extremely aggressive. And I thought, oh, okay, I guess, I guess that's it. I guess we're, we're done. And this was about three or four weeks after the surgery. And, and now looking back, I realized that maybe it grew in the Petri dish because that was a hospitable environment, but we had made Dan's body an inhospitable environment. And so it just didn't grow in his body. Which brings an interesting point because we're always asked that, well, how do you know the plant-based diet did, is that what affected you? So <laughs> There you go. We know that in that Petri dish, they were looking at it. It was very aggressive and they know what it would be doing. Yet you know, in me. Yeah, they have their doubling rates and yeah. all of that kind of stuff so that they can estimate what you're, you know, how how this is going to transpire. You know, and, and we were so conscientious, uh, particularly, you know, testing pH. pH. We were always, you know, with the little urine strips, always testing the urine several times a day, keeping him super alkaline. And I mean... And it sounds crazy. Like people think you're nuts that you're testing your urine a couple times a day. But hey, he's still here. Yeah. Yes, it's a, totally yeah. worth it. I don't think you're crazy at all. I just <laughs> that's what well, I would be doing. <laughs> yeah, I think it worked out. Pretty you know, well. you 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 figure we you do certainly become your own advocate and you educate yourself and you learn more and more and more. And again, I I simply always say that in the you know I, I Sean is a subject matter expert 
with respect to all all that we've learned, and it's because of her beautiful intelligence that I'm still alive today. Oh, Sean, <laughs> look what you did. Yeah. <laughs> It's truly, yeah, truly. It's, it, it's been a crazy ride, that's for sure. So then we, um, that September again, they start talking about remission. So what was this, 2015 or 14? That uh, was 214. 214. So. 214. So, you know, still um, full from, from, you know, you figure from December to March, not even a year into remission. Uh, and then my next scan was later on in the winter months. So um, fast forward to February. Uh, got the scan results back, and uh, at that point in time, we we went in, and they were they advised us that my at that point my cancer was radiologically undetectable, and that I was showing cancer free. Oh my god, I'm gonna cry! Oh my so within goodness. so within 15 months, within 15 months of you know from diagnosis to that point where they told me that no you're going to die and it's going to be miserable well i didn't i got better and i got healthier and 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 you know was declared cancer free they said if you walked into the cancer clinic today for a first appointment we'd be turning you around because we wouldn't consider you as a as a cancer diagnosis yeah it, oh uh, my gosh yeah. so we had uh, every every time we'd go into the clinic it was <laughs> like okay here we go again and then it was it was just like rolling the slots every time you'd pull the handle we'd walk out and then kitching you know yeah. and it was like it was an amazing feeling um and i think during the whole period and to this day today too it's it's really really changed uh, the way our we've always been very very mindful but certainly you know and as many people say who do survive cancer of course is that it is an awakening and it's probably you know one of the most important things that's happened to me in you know in my midlife that's really changed my life so drastically and um you know i I don't know what's going to happen but uh for those that period of time and and so if we look at now um i'm four years and almost nine months cancer free where i wasn't supposed to make it 10 months 10 months sorry oh i got a 10 months that's right we're in september yeah which is (laughs) congratulations that is amazing (laughs) Yeah, it, it um, so we, we, you know, get out of the treatment and, and we recover. I, um, that fall of, of, uh, of, um, I waited till the fall of 215 to, to return to work. Um, at that point, I'm about 51 years old. I, I, and, um, to return to work as, as a police officer, we have a, a, a pretty brutal physical fitness test. I hadn't run that test since 204. Back in 204, because I was in such poor health, I even had to get a, um, a stress test to even get to run the uh, the, the circuit. Um, so that that uh, fall in 215, I said to myself, I want to run that pair, that physical fitness test, and just to see what I can do and if I can complete it. And uh, the physio trainer uh, that was there, the coordinator, he wasn't aware of my diagnosis or that I just returned to work. And I ran that physical circuit within seconds of what I ran it in 204. And I was health so I was so healthy that I didn't even have to get the stress test for my doctor. So yet I was, you know, that much older. Ten years older. Ten year, ten years older. And where normally it is a criteria for you to even get to run it, you have to do a stress test. I was I was the second oldest police officer in the group of about 28. They're all young men and women in their 20s and 30s. And most of them, many of them opted out of doing it, sitting on the bench because they got a sore elbow, sore knee or something. I shouldn't <laughs> criticize. And there I was. I gave it my all. 
uh, I recorded the, the the test. It was quite interesting because at one point too is uh, you you have a push pull station of uh, against a wall type of a weight, and I, I I completed it, and the guy gave me my time. And I, I broke four minutes. I was hoping for four or under. And I was so devastated because I spent time catching my breath. And the guy's <laughs> like, hey, well, you know, don't worry about it. Like, look, at you know, you're 50 some odd years old. And like, look at the bench over there. Here you are doing this. And then within a couple of breaths, I told him, I said, yeah, and I just got back from a stage four cancer diagnosis. <laughs> the guy just about fell on his ass. I mean, oh I'm sorry. But, that uh, okay. You know, he was like, quick, sit down. Sit down, take your blood pressure. pressure. I'm oh like, oh, my God, really? Stage four cancer? I said, yeah. Freaked him right out. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, my gosh. So that was that was how long after? February? Because your seasons are out of time with mine, so I'm a yeah. bit confused. Okay. Sorry. So diagnosis, November of 2013. 13. Went back to work fall of 2.15. Yeah. That's what I thought. Wow. So two years. So two yeah. years. Two so, years. So at the time when initially they said he should be dead, he went back to work full time. Thrived. I didn't only survive, but I, 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 I've been thriving since. Uh, and um, uh, we haven't looked back. And we've had, you know, uh, who knows what the future holds, but we've had this amazing uh We've done so many incredible things since then. Started off with, we look at, and many people might be aware, or, or, or I'm not sure, but the, or have seen it or heard of it, we, we ended up in this fabulous, critically acclaimed documentary titled Eating You Alive. Yes, I love that. So I'm so glad to have that movie out there for people to people to watch and see. It's so good. Yes, and that film was was that in itself is a story in the sense that it was just simply reaching out to the producer on Facebook that one Sunday and said, this is who we are. We've seen the trailers. When is your movie coming out? We're so anxious to see it. It's got all the rock stars. All our idols are in it when and this is what we've been through so she immediately responded to me and we were on the phone that sunday for about an hour and a half and sean was was at the other end of the house you know like it's sunday we got lots of work to do what are you doing (laughs) (laughs) yeah and i'm like i'm on the phone with the producers of eating you alive so then there was silence and then she you know thump 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 to the room opens up the door it's like what i said yeah (laughs) so the, the deal was that we were to send them you uh, uh, upload a YouTube video of Sean with a brief clip with our story. And by that Thursday, we were flying down to Atlanta, Georgia and Chattanooga, Tennessee, and we filmed with the crew. And uh, nine months later, after waiting to see if we ended up on the cutting room floor, lo and behold, the movie came out. We're, uh, um, I think we're, we're uh, all the stories that all the, the success stories of it and, and eating your lives, an interesting movie in the sense that it's the layers are, you've got these tremendous knowledgeable experts, uh, uh and a, a good dozen of them. Uh, and then there's these regular physicians from all across the United States who have looked into adopting whole food plant-based for their own health mm. improvement and that of their practice. Yeah. And then it's woven with these different success stories of uh, beating uh, diabetes, beating cancer, uh, obesity, heart disease, heart lupus. disease yeah. lupus. So it's a tremendous, tremendous film. And we are so honored to have been included in it. And from the point of being included in Eating You Alive, it's really provided us this springboard uh, for this new platform. And, and interestingly enough, we've always been community related and community engagement. I'm with media relations in my professional work and nearing retirement. I wasn't sure what my next communication vehicle was going to be or my next platform. And this, this transformation, a whole food plant based lifestyle 
is what's given us this platform. And again, you know, the, one of your questions as to what's your life, what's happened since, or what, what yes, has changed? Yes, I was about life. to ask. <laughs> yeah, everything's changed in our life. You know, it's uh, I've regained my vitality and youth. I feel like Dan has survived stage four cancer, and you know, now we well, we were in the movie. We do speaking engagements. We speak at VegFests. We speak you know, on podcasts with all the way from Australia. Yeah. Who would think that would ever happen? <laughs> right? It's just crazy. And so we've had just all these amazing experiences and we're able to, you know, we're not doctors. We can't tell you, you know, give you advice whether you should or shouldn't do this, but we can talk about what we did. And, you know, we truly think that it has had an amazing impact. The connectivity of social media has been, I, I think everybody's, you know, witnessed it over the past few years. And again, different um, for different subject matters. But when we look at health and connecting people and, and the, the whole food plant-based vegan community, it's just an incredible community of giving compassionate people. And, you know, here we are four years and 10 months out and, um, I think one of the greatest things, one of the greatest gifts that this has given us uh, beyond survival is just to be our own advocates and not to abdicate your life or your health care over to the system. You know, had we, you know, we would have still been driving to Vancouver every two weeks. And I can't even imagine what would that would be like, you know, just to be in the system appointment after appointment poking and prodding. And, you know, we've been free of that. Mm. We are in charge of our own lives, which I think is huge because once you're in that system, you just hand your life over to them. You become, you know, a number, a file of whatever, and you kind of lose control of your life. Yeah. I, I think one of the other big evolutions for us too, is as you know, the, the trifecta of this compassionate lifestyle, of course, is we, we, have this, you know, awakening with respect to uh, the, you know, our environmental impact, how we live, uh, our health, and again, the the third trifecta, of course, is animal rights and animal ethics as to how and you know how the food gets on our plate and, yeah. and what are we, what you know, yeah. what are we Once eating? Once you start really doing that research and and you um, begin to understand how animals arrive on your plate, uh, you can't unsee that. No. So that's become quite important in our lives now as far as animal activism as well. Yeah. So. Which is interesting when you consider as a police officer, I've spent 33 years on the other side of the protest line. And now I'm on the other side of the protest line. And so that in itself, again, too, I've, I've got some insight to assist my fellow activists as to, you know, you know, police expect some behavior of you as a, as a protester, but we, we have to, uh, you know, our, our police officers have to, we have expectations of them as well. So, so very, very interesting. So, yeah. So we really feel like we spend. That's so wonderful. Yeah. We spend our lives now advocating for a whole food plant place lifestyle and, and all of that, all of the things that go with that, yeah. the environmental and the animal ethics as well. Yeah. So when we, we look across the world, I think everybody, you know, more and more, there's a lot of people that are landing on this page, right? Um, and one of the organizations that we're involved with in, in, in this, this year in Canada here is with a group called Nation Rising, uh, which is a grassroots movement on the East Coast in, in, in Ontario and, and close to the seat of our federal government, where there was a march and rally on our Parliament Hill 
this past July that we we flew across the country to participate in. Uh, the three speakers were, were ourselves, uh, Dr. David Jenkins, who's the inceptor of the glycemic index, Dr. Salesh Rao, who's the uh, producer of Cowspiracy and What the Health and several other films, uh, and James Aspie. Your own James Aspie. James was with- so yeah. there we were on Parliament Hill at the foot of our peace tower and delivering a message to our federal government with respect to three three issues that we would like to see a change in animal agriculture subsidies that need to be eliminated, uh, that we need to see assistance to our farmers transition from animal agriculture to plant-based agriculture, and that we need to see affordable Uh, healthy plant-based foods have made available to all our communities, including our isolated communities and our far north Aboriginal isolated communities as well. So when you look at this message that can be conveyed and should be conveyed to all governments around the world, uh, it's growing, it's growing, it's growing, and more people are taking note of it, definitely. That is so exciting. I'm so grateful for you for, for, for taking part in that and for being part of this movement because... Your story and your your you know your passion is is contagious, and then it only is going to have a, a ripple effect that more and more people will discover this way of eating and healing, and 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 it's a compassionate way of eating, and it's a sustainable way of eating, and it's yeah, like it's very very exciting. Well, I think what's very interesting as well too, we all become the inspiration. We all right. become the individual who leads by example. You, you, you know, each individual is out there in their workplace or in their family homes or amongst their friends who adopt this lifestyle, who have the health improvements and everybody around them is watching and seeing some, you know, and as we know, some people might not ask about it, but people will notice and next thing you know, somebody's asking you about it. And then you're each of us. So all the people, and again, your listeners, again, there's, there's, you know, if you've got pre-vegans or, or, or those that are on board on this, they see it themselves. So we all become that inspiration story. And I think that is such a neat and interesting thing in this day and age as to, you know, to truly cause effect at times can seem like a very difficult thing to do. But when there you are in your little community, your little surrounding and your environment, and you're seeing you're causing a positive effect on people, it's it's a tremendous thing. And simply by changing what you put on your fork, you know, I mean, that's ultimately what happened. We changed how we ate and it changed everything. Yeah. Wow. I wanted to, if you have touched on it, but I just wanted to, I know it, I don't want to take up too much of your time, but I really, I really wanted to talk about something that I don't actually ask people that very much because we've talked about the physical, the physical benefits, side effects, impact that 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 going whole food plant-based has had on had on your life and on your health. And that, that, that is a lot standalone. <laughs> Absolutely amazing. Um, but I kind of wanted to talk about the, the kind of mental emotional, because I don't think we've talk about how it actually changes who you are on the inside, your mind and your soul shift change, because I'm sure that the Dan and the Sean that are, are here in now with me, talking to me now are so different once you just once you discover what is truly possible and that idea changes about what is the status quo of what what health can be like and what what healing can be like and then to feel like whoa 
the possibilities are, are almost endless. It's true. Well, I think for me, um, losing 133 pounds, as, as somebody who was obese in this society, in our society, um, I had kind of, huh, I took the role on of providing delicious comfort food because that was something that people liked and it would make them kind of like me, right? Because, you know, when you're obese, you think, what do I have to offer? Kind of, you know, it shakes your self-confidence. And so a food became my currency. If if somebody did me a favor, I'd make them a cheesecake. And, and it was kind of my identity. And when I lost the weight, I kind of realized that I didn't have to, this sounds horrible, but I didn't have to be as jolly and nice, which I'm, I still think I'm a nice person, but I don't, <laughs> you, are. you know what I, what I, I didn't have to try and buy people or buy people's like or love of me by going through food, which is a really hard to describe unless you've been obese, I think, because you, you're so desperate thinking that people are looking at you, judging you, um, making assumptions about you so that you need to do these extra things to be liked. And, you know, I, I remember, you know, even your kids, you're, you're afraid that your kids are embarrassed of you or that their friends are making fun of you and, and all of those kind of things. So that really changed my confidence level when I lost the weight. And, and I feel like I can say and feel the way I authentically do. I don't have to do anything else. Yeah. I just be me. And I'm, I'm much happier, you know, now, if you don't like me, well, I'm sorry about that, but this is me. I don't have to strive so hard. I don't know if that's coming across well. No, it is coming <laughs> across well. I, I think that if when if when you've been in that situation and you and you become a people pleaser because you yes. want to be that's liked exactly desperately. Right. Yes. You said it. People pleaser. Thank you for that term because it, it's it's tr- freeing. It's freeing yes. to say, you know what, I'm just going to be me now because exactly. it's exhausting trying to get my self-worth from other people. Right. That is pres- thank you. You you did it so much better than I. <laughs> no, you did a great job. I just wanted to let you know that it wasn't coming across like you're a jerk okay. now. <laughs> Perfect. There you go. Yeah. So so that was a huge change for me. And um, you know, I think uh just yeah, it, it was just such a change to go back and to to feel proud of myself and and I think others to be an example for others. I mean, I had, you know, uh, I would meet, you know, acquaintances that you don't see on a regular basis. And so at the beginning of my weight loss, uh, you know, maybe a year in, I'll, I met somebody. I, I came across a woman who hadn't seen me for a long time. And I was, I said, oh, hi. And she looked at me. She didn't recognize me. And I said, it's me, Sean. And she started to cry. And I was so shocked by that. And she just like, oh my God, you're so beautiful. How did you do this? I, how do you lose weight? Cause she'd struggled with her weight her whole life. And I think it was just to see somebody that she knew 
do it successfully, actually conquer it was so emotional for her. And she was like, can I come and live with you? You know, (laughs) make me make this happen for me too. And I thought, you know, I understood that I understood because it's such a struggle. I struggled for so many years and then to finally have the success. And I think that's why, you know, at first it was so hard for me to to show my before pictures. I was so ashamed of them. And Dan said to me, you know, you're never going to help anybody. You're never going to inspire anybody if you don't show your before pictures. So, you know, it took a lot to put those out on the internet and it was really a difficult thing for me, but I'm so glad I did now. And so that's had a huge change for me. And Dan's had yeah, but mm-hmm. again, too, with, like with with Sean, when we talked about the transformation, the physical changes that we would come across people again, people we hadn't seen. So as a couple, you know, you bump into somebody in a public place and the conversation would start off as to, you know, hey, how's it going? But the individual would always be focused on me. And sunglasses yeah, on. if Sean was standing beside me with sunglasses on and they would stand shoulder to shoulder with me and there was kind of a look of dismay or, or, or confusion and sometimes even this anger and you could read it in their face. Like they don't recognize Sean. They think maybe I've got a new girlfriend or a new <laughs> friend or something. Yeah, wow. And, and so the conversation would go her on the aside as not a person that is known. And then all of a sudden she would speak or take her glasses off or start to talk. And the person would literally like shake, you know, Oh my God. And disbelief, Sean. And yeah. this, it's you. I said, yeah, it you, was, you know, it was, was pretty yeah. wild. And that would happen time and time and time again. Uh, so it was quite incredible. So, and again, I'm as not a having of, an affair. This is Sean. <laughs> she just looks the way she used to. And, and yeah, so that in itself was, was quite an incredible experience. Um, one thing, and then again, when you get back to this question, you've just asked as to, you know, the emotional and psychological uh, beneficial side effects and, and effects of, of eating a plant-based diet. Um, we do know, and the science is there with respect to neuronutrients and feeding our brain properly in all organs and the brain being a major organ and, you know, the one that takes up the most energy uh, is that um, we do know what the benefits are of a whole food plant-based diet. And as a police, as a veteran police officer of 33 years now, I think it was about uh, I, I would say the last 10 years of my service where um, I was probably heading to, you know, uh, a mindset that maybe I was in denial of, and that was with respect to post-traumatic stress disorder. And um, there was, you know, there was heavy consumption of alcohol at a period of time, and, and uh, that affected, there was a lot of stress on my marriage. I was very heavily involved with my work, and life work balance was a little off. Uh, you know, overly dedicated to the work and, and running on the adrenaline of, of the work involvement and with police work. And uh, I wasn't healthy uh, mentally. And then a few years ago, um, just prior to the cancer diagnosis, um, I went in for counseling and, and was formally diagnosed with post-traumatic stress disorder. Um, and uh, I started handling that and, and not knowing what was going to come next. And And then lo and behold, the cancer diagnosis came up and it kind of put the post-traumatic stress disorder into perspective um, as to, okay, you know, uh, I've got this to contend with now and and we're going to see where we end up. Um, But 
there's no question in my mind now looking as to a what the cancer did for my mindset but not only that as to trans transitioning to a whole food plant-based diet what it did for me you know emotionally and and and, and uh, psychologically as well too there's no question in my mind that i'm i'm psychologically healthier now because of the way i i eat uh and um again with some of the science behind alcohol consumption uh having no safe levels of consumption with respect to uh, contributing to cancer I, I i i stopped drinking a few years ago two years ago now um and if it hadn't have been for the cancer diagnosis and adopting a whole food plant-based diet i really don't know where i would be with respect to the post-traumatic stress disorder and, and in this day and age we've got our, our, our first responders, we've got our military services. Um, there's a lot of people that are going through this, 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 um, this illness that again, are, are so many people are overlooking one of the simplest things they can do to help themselves and that's changing their diet. So between the cancer, pleading with people that, you know, like how badly do you want to live? Like, why wouldn't you try this? And then with respect to post-traumatic stress disorder, the people that are suffering it, I've, I've, I've you know, I, I know some other individuals that are going through the same experience and I look at their diet and I'm like, oh God, you know, like, look what you're doing to yourself nutrition wise and, and no wonder you're struggling. And, and then again, then you get into obesity comes into, so that works on the depression and poor physical fitness. And so it all snowballs into it where if you just, look at reversing this one thing the domino effect towards all the others is just unbelievable yeah. and i think undeniable and we know you know it's the same diet the same diet that helps with cancer helps with heart disease and obesity and diabetes and macular degeneration and and you alzheimer's know, everything, alzheimer's and it's like it's 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 the proper diet it's what we're meant to eat mm. and it you know and it's you know you often feel like a snake oil salesman because it's like i can fix that i can fix that i can fix that it'll help you yeah. and it's all the same stuff i think Just what's, what the truly the most amazing thing is we're not selling anything yeah you know exactly. we've, we've had screenings of the films and people have said okay well we were kind of reluctant to come to the film today because we felt that we we're going to watch this movie you're going to lock the doors on us and you're <laughs> going to start selling something and essentially they go screen the film and then we have this lovely q a at the end and then we say thank you very much and this one woman in particular she said well gosh, you know, I wasn't going to come. And I thought, oh, they're going to sell me something. I know it. And then lo and behold, you said, thank you. Good night. And you guys didn't sell us anything. <laughs> it's all right there in your grocery store, right yeah. there in the produce yeah, section. It's a whole food yeah. plant-based diet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. We've, and then again, too, you look at the life, life changes and stuff. We have uh, with our social media platforms now, we're on Facebook and, and Instagram with Indian Rock Vegans. And a lot of people ask us why Indian Rock. Well, we live in this lovely little hamlet called Indian Rock, which is in the Okanagan Valley and the center of British Columbia yeah. uh, uh, on the West Coast here. It's the fruit and vegetable belt of, of, of uh, Western Canada with, with multiple types of different orchards. Uh, it's truly a beautiful location. And, and now with, uh, with, with social media, we're connected with individuals around the world. Uh, several, several, you know, friends and followers and contacts and people that we speak on the phone with in Australia, South America, Europe, UK, 
Yeah. Uh, we've can, we've been fortunate to connect with all of these these. We talk. We I always say it's like we're walking amongst giants. We're we're very humbled by the fact that we've been able to meet all these incredible people that for years now have been at this you know this this struggle and advancing this and 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 helping others out. Uh, you know, from Earthling's Ed to James Aspie to Dr. Esselstyn to to well, all these. When you look at, you know, like, you know, sometimes you get frustrated trying to tell people about this lifestyle. When you think about like Colin Campbell and Esselstyn and McDougal that have been doing this for 40, 50 years, way back when no one knew what it was. And I think, well, gosh, if they can do it for that long we definitely need to be doing this too. Yeah. Because we've got it easy now. Everybody knows what a vegan is. Yeah. So. You know, and it's funny is at times that we, at the times where we, we you know, we, we feel, talk to ourselves about, well, you know, are we making a difference? Should we be, you know, how effective is this? What are we doing? How successful is this? And every once in a while we'll be in a public place and somebody will tap us on the shoulder you know, uh, in public somewhere and they say, hi, I don't, you don't know me. I, I saw you, saw you two in the film or I've started following you on, on Facebook and Instagram. And just, I just came up to you to say, thank you. You've changed our lives. I was, I had heart disease. I had I, this. Yeah. Or reverse my diabetes or I'm on my blood pressure medication is lower. And, you know, so those, those kind of things, those are the things that like, oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, we're on the right track. We need to keep going. And I think, too, um, I read, where did I say I read it? Um, it was in an article recently, and it was um, um, that if if we were to say to ourselves, anybody, anybody who's dedicated to furthering a cause, if you, you start doubting yourself or saying, okay, this is enough, I, I, you know, I, I'm not going to do this anymore, you can't stop because you know darn well as you get older, and once you're older and you look back and think to yourself, I should have continued and now I feel terrible because I didn't continue doing what I was doing. So you have to continue. We all yeah. have to continue. Like for yourselves with this podcast, connecting with, uh, you know, you know, individuals everywhere and, and, and having this conversation. I have no intention of ever <laughs> stopping. <laughs> I have no, in- I want, I, I'm looking forward to a thousand episode, a thousand episode, 2000 episode. I can't wait. 2000 stories of plant-based hope out there. I think, ah, oh, it gets me so excited. Just thinking you're about loading. it. That's, it's, that's exactly right. And this is what's that, this is what's unfolding before us for the past few years now, and particularly with the connectivity of social media, the exponential growth, uh, the availability of the information, the democratization of this information, and um, individuals such as yourself as well, too, that are on the airwaves and uh, connecting people. And 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 giving hope. I mean, that's really, we feel like our story is our gift that we can share with people to give them hope. Because... It's, we know that you know, without there are hope, people are suffering yeah. out there, and you know, oftentimes it's needless. And if you change your diet, not saying that you know medicine isn't come a long way, but do this first and then see what you need. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I agree completely, and I think like I, I, I'm speaking on behalf of yeah, my, my from my own experience. In when you got diet went for. I'll, talk about you for a second when you got diagnosed in those two weeks when you were talking about that you know you diagnosed and you you'd been so healthy and it was such a, you know it would have been such a shock that first two weeks when you were just you know I, I only can imagine terrified overwhelmed frightened just grieving 
you know, when I, when I was dating with multiple sclerosis, it was the same. You're alone at home and you feel like the rug is out from under you and you feel like you've lost you lost all hope of the future. And this podcast and your stories and sharing these stories, in the, imagine finding them in that first two weeks. Do you know what I mean? Imagine yeah. finding yeah. them yes. and, and getting them and thinking, wow, there's 50 stories or there's 100, or there's a documentary you know, it, you, with, with these people telling the story about overcoming terminal cancer. That's what, you know, that's just a gift. You know, like, like you say, it is a gift. It's a gift of hope. It's a gift yeah. of hope. And, and, you know, the thing is, is like people say, oh, well, that it just happened for you. You're just, you know, that was just a freak. It's one. But there's so many of us out there. So there's many so of us. many. And, you know, when you're in this world, the whole food plant this world, I mean, it's like they're a dime a dozen. Yeah. You know? it's, it's boring. So many, <laughs> have, yeah, so many people who've reversed their chronic diseases. And so it's, it's like, no, it's not an anomaly. It's not a one-off. This is happening everywhere around the world by people changing their diets. And so that, that is why it is so important to keep talking about it. I think, too, what's really interesting <laughs> is to see that. We'll never the, stop. We'll never stop. <laughs> we'll never new, stop this podcast just now. We can't stop no, talking. The, know, newcomers, <laughs> the newcomers, the newcomers, those that are just beginning this journey, when you, you know, we have that contact with them. They say, okay, yeah, I'm going to do this. And then you watch and see, and you see what happens to them. And those that, that do commit to it, you see the results. And the next thing you know, there's another one. And they're, and they're advocating. Just, and they're like, just beaming about it. And they look at, you know, and, and they're again, talking to everybody. Yeah. And you're like, oh, my work here is done. <laughs> <laughs> I know when people say, oh, you know, it's a cult. Veganism's a cult. You know, everyone's, it's, it's, it's vegan propaganda. I, I always just think. I never understand how feeling amazing, being kind to animals, helping heal the planet is is ever a negative. Do you know? It's it's very funny that you could have a think your 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 brain can think that when someone's telling you that you can heal yourself and you can not hurt animals and you can be a bit kinder to the planet and help create a future for the future future generations of planet Earth, that they can be like, "How dare you? I want to eat a Big Mac." Yeah. <laughs> and you just think you know, what? It's the last, it's the contrary. It's like breaking away from a cult. You yeah, know? Like we, yeah. We've broken away. We've broken away from, 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 from everything and, 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 and have found it. You know? Exactly. And, and with, you know, it boils down to without hope, there's no hope. So when yeah. you can just provide simple hope, it's yeah. just an amazing thing. It is. It's, it's, it's. Yeah, it's been a, a crazy ride and we'll just keep on going. We're and... so hopeful to get to Australia. We've got a lot of contacts. I will have to meet you when on. you come. Let me know. We'll have a whole food plant-based dinner. I'll make you some delicious food. <laughs> and that's what's amazing too is that everybody, you know, you see, we talk that way, you know, you have the offers or the suggestions or the invitations and you, you know, you drop a dime or you call and contact the person. It's like, yeah, we're there. Yeah. And then you're having that gathering and meeting physically. And yeah, it's, 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 you know, it's, I have to say, it's one of the most amazing communities we've ever been involved, uh, in. been involved with. It's, you know, okay. Yeah, you're, you're nicer to animals. You're nicer to the environment. You just aren't, you, I think people are just, you know, you, I, I think, you know, uh, Penn Jillette was in our movie. In, in eating you alive and he says he says i'm so darn nice now how did that happen you know like i think you're just you're happier you're joyful you're grateful um you're mindful 
I think it just it just changes so much. Yeah. It does. I was talk I talk about this because I run women's circles and I talk about this in my women's circles. When you feel better, like you don't realize how you don't even because re- when I was sick, that was my normal. You know, being in chronic pain was my normal. Being constipated all the time was normal. Being having candida or having headaches and migraines, it becomes just your status quo. And it's hard to be willing to be kind to help your neighbor out with um, with the bins or to help your friend out with some meals when they have just had a new baby when you feel so sick and every single thing is hard when you feel good it's easier to be kind because you have the energy to help others to serve the planet to help in your community and so when i talk to the women i say the more we give back to ourselves and nourish ourselves from the inside out the ripple effect is that we have a kinder, more loving, compassionate planet. Yeah. It's so true. It's so true. If, if it, And I think, you know, for that reason alone, we have to grow veganism because it's just nicer for everyone. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, you know, and it is, it's funny when you say that about how you, you know, I used to buy a bottle of Tylenol every second grocery shop, or we always had Tums in the house or all of that. We never have that stuff now. There's no medication. There's no medication in the house, you know? And that astounds people again, too. They're like, okay, so you're diagnosed in 213. So you've had no medical treatment since it's nope. You know, no prescription drugs. No prescription. No, you're not on anything. There's no, 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 no. And it's funny now that we, every time we have a presentation, in fact, I, I think I have to add some slides to it because in my in in my narrative, I, I start off as oh yeah here we are now you know three years and nine months and, and then then a couple of months will go by and okay now I'm at three you know three years and twelve months and then next thing you know it's like four four years and three months and and every time I present publicly I'm flipping that number over to I'm and now coming up that to that big five year anniversary which apparently is this big milestone it's huge I'm, I'm, I'm quite excited about it and, and it's. Yeah, it's quite amazing. That's so amazing. I just had my 10-year symptom and relapse free from wow. multiple sclerosis anniversary last last was that last month, but I only celebrated it last week. <laughs> wow. And so how, how old are you and how old were I'm, you diagnosed? I was diagnosed when I was 24 and my last relapse was 2008 when I was 28 and so now I'm 38 and wow. I feel amazing. I don't have any – and it's a big deal. So I'm so excited for you because I, I – kind of just dismiss it because you get so used to feeling good yeah <laughs> and i was like this is actually a big deal to people if they heard that i've been 10 years but for me yeah, it's just like- the norm but you know five years after being told you have less than you know a couple of years to live or months it's a big deal it is it's a huge deal you know and it's you know we have we've had people in our lives who had ms and it's so it's touched us for sure and gosh, if we only knew now what, you know, knew then what we know now, how different could things have possibly been? Yeah, it's so hard to think like that. But I'm, I, it's just, you know, it's the future is so hopeful. Congratulations to you, too. Yeah, yeah it's, I, uh, it's all good. Yeah, we and again, too, we're, with our, our outreach, you know, there's grocery store shopping tours, there's kitchen cleanouts. Uh, there's emails flying around, there's Skype and uh, FaceTime with people and uh, we're, we're always available, you know, and uh, and even if it's just to, you know, talk about how the day is going, 
um, the one thing I've always, you know, I remind people is that it's, you know, it's one day at a time and, and, uh, you know, you, you wake up in the morning and your eyes open and you, you say, okay, here goes another day and you, the day goes by, you get through the day. Sometimes it's a really fabulous, joyous day, sometimes not so much, but then you jump back into bed and you tuck in couple of deep breaths, you think about the day, you close your eyes, you fall asleep, and then it's a new one the next day yeah. and you open your eyes and repeat. Yes. So where can people find you? So on Indian Rock Vegans on social media? Yeah. So Indian Rock Vegans on Facebook, we have a, a group page now. We're up to, I believe, about 1,100 uh, followers and friends uh, and as well on Instagram. So just to explain the two platforms that we use on the Facebook page, we are essentially a resource hub uh, for, for all the information. And we just post and share and repost. We do some videos for Sean's cooking demos and things like that, but mostly it's a resource hub from all the information that we gather. So that makes it a little bit easier for others to, instead of searching around. So, you know, we're, we, we try and connect with, with, uh, with the, the most reputable resources that, that are out there in the whole food plant-based world. And then on the Instagram page, that's more the eye candy of, of the beautiful food, uh, and, uh, some of our, you know, our activities and a bit of animal rights activism as well too. Uh, so Indian rock vegans, uh, is where you can find us and uh, that we just so enjoy connecting with people. We've been to several conferences now and traveling around as much as we can. Um, Canada here, the uh, whole food plant-based movement is, is, is going very strong as we can see everywhere across the world. And, and uh, we've just had the honor of connecting with so many different people. It's just tremendous. Ah, thank you so much for coming on the show. Your story, obviously, it's really it's really touched my my heart just with my own father's journey with cancer at the moment. I can't wait to share this episode with him um, and and so many other people because cancer is oh, it's everywhere. It's, it's all everywhere around. and 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 it is terrifying for anyone who 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 receives that diagnosis. It is it you know, it is is so frightening. So I'm so grateful to have you on the show and to give hope to so many people across, you know, who are listening or who might listen in the future, you know, that what is possible, what is possible when you have terminal stage four cancer, like this is just unheard of and amazing. It's great. So thank you so much. Oh, you're so welcome. Thank this you for reaching out to us as well. A lot of fun. Thank you so much, Dan and Sean, for coming on the show. If you haven't yet followed Dan and Sean over at Indian Rock Vegans on social media, Facebook, Instagram, everywhere else on social media, I'm sure. And if you want to check out the documentary Eating You Alive, head over to eatingyoualive.com so you can see more of Dan and Sean's story there and just watch a really great documentary about the foods that we eat and why they're keeping us sick and living with chronic disease. If you haven't yet subscribed to this podcast, you can subscribe over at iTunes or Apple Podcasts, I think it's called now, Stitcher app for Android phones. You can also subscribe over at YouTube where I've put out still 22 episodes, but I'm getting there, I'm getting there, I'm getting there. It's just about the internet's terrible here. So thank you for that. Thank you all for listening, sharing and supporting this. The more you share and support and you know, rate and review this podcast and do all those things, the more people can hear stories like Dan's and hopefully take control of their health and potentially absolutely transform their 
their health from the inside out, which is just what everyone really wants to feel good and to feel vital and alive. Like Dan and Sean, if you if you go to the show notes and check out their before and afters and during photos, it's just an amazing, amazing and very short turnaround for both of them. You know, losing so much weight and then healing from terminal cancer. You just can't get better than that. It's just the best, most happy, tear-jerking story of my life. Um, it's wonderful. And thank you so much for coming on the show, Dan and Sean. And thank you all for supporting this show and sharing it with your family and friends. I will see you next week for our one year's worth of episodes. Episode 52. I'm so excited. Thank you so much for all for listening and coming along for this ride with me and all the guests who have come on and shared their deep, dark, darkest times with chronic disease all the way to their most amazing victories. So thank you all and I'll see you all next week. Bye. 